Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his dues in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. So, I mean, I was doing it all myself. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in. Pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest is an NHRA funny car driver for Tony Stewart Racing. He was the 2011, 2014, and 2020 NHRA funny car world champion. He has a career best elapsed time run of 3.799 seconds and a best speed of 338.85. Mike, that is hauling the mail. He has had a total of 40 career event titles, 73 career final rounds, and 21 career number one qualifying positions. He is the driver of the number 14 Dodge Power Brokers funny car team led by Dickie Venables. Everybody say hi to Matt Hagen. Matt, here's Mike Wallace. Hey, Matt. Hey guys. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, doing great. Doing great. Just glad to be on the show with you guys. I'm uh, pretty excited about it, to be honest with you. Well, good. We're excited to have you. You know, it's not every day we get a three-time champion uh, like yourself to agree to come on this world-famous, world-renowned show that we have. For free. For free. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I yeah. like it. I like it. Yeah. And you, you, you actually returned my text. I was so excited. I showed her. I said, look, your Matt, Matt Hagen responded back to me. <laughs> no, no. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your guys' show, you know, and 
and uh, obviously we were talking a little bit before the show started about Tony and him being your first guest and you know it's kind of cool that I'm running that number 14 on my car this year you know we we ended up uh, number two in the world last year and uh, you know I won the championship the year before that but I just have a hard time running number two on my car you know it's just kind of a I guess an ego thing or something I don't know but I just hate looking at that number two unless it's a number one on there and and uh, my old number is like 2814. So, you know, I was telling Tony when I, you know, signed over to drive for him, I said, well, I'm going to go back to my old alcohol number. And he was like, well, let's take the 28 and leave the 14 on there. And I said, well, that sounds pretty good to me, you know. So it's kind of cool to be running Tony's number on, on my drag car, you know. Yeah, well, that's super cool because the 14 actually from Tony came from the legendary A.J. Foyt. And uh, I had the le- the honor to drive for AJ Foyt in the Cup Series a few races with the number fourteen. So think of what we got in common today. That's pretty awesome, to be honest with you. It's uh, it's stuff like uh, that you know you can you run into people that you know it's such a small world, but you know when stuff like that comes together and you're able to put you know win win columns up on the board with it, you know it's it's pretty cool. So I guess the fourteen is a little legendary. It is legendary, and Matt. If you don't mind, I'd like to change the concept of our show up just a little bit today because of who you drive for right now. You know, we normally talk about who were you before who you are, and we'll get into that in the second segment and, and there on in the show. But, man, tell me a little bit. I, I mean, I've watched drag racing. I kind of grew up following a little bit. Believe it or not, the uh, legendary Jerry Haas of Builds Pro Stock Cars used to work with my father's stock cars back when he was in high in college that that's how long i go back in the world but man you're you're the star in the drag race world you are a champ and uh, how did it how did it even come about that i guess when tony stewart decided or thought he was going to own a drag race team that you became the driver for his funny car i mean that's that's incredible that's as cool as being the champion to be honest with you <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, it's definitely an honor to drive for Tony. Um, you know, I just, it's kind of one of those things where I've been driving for, for Mopar and Dodge for the last, gosh, 14 years, you know, and really been carrying the banner for them for, I guess, close to, you know, real, realistically like 11 or 12 years, you know, and the first couple of years were just, we were driving Dodges, but I really got to be sponsored by them, you know, for the last, you know, 12 to 13 years. And uh, it's just one of those things where, um, with with Tony, he kind of came into the sport, and it, you know Leah uh, Pritchett, you know, has been my teammate for a while, and she she started dating him, and I I guess it's been going on for a little while, and I didn't even realize it, you know, and I, I kind of bumped into Tony at a dinner with Leah uh, one day in Andy, and uh, I was like, man, that's that's Tony Stewart, you know, and he's there with my teammate Leah, you know, and I guess they'd been dating for a little while, and uh, you know, just kind of you know knowing me, I just kind of keep my head down and my you know my eyes forward and don't really pay much attention to anything, but. I was like, well, that's pretty cool, you know, didn't really think much of it, you know, but got to talking to Tony a little bit and knowing him a little bit. And I didn't really, I didn't really know what to expect with Tony because, you know, I, I didn't, I've never met him before. And, you know, this guy, he's, he's worth a, you know, a pile of money and a big, big famous name. And you don't know whether he's going to come off arrogant or cocky or any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, we just got to, to meeting the guy and he's just a genuinely good guy, man. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where, I was like, this is this dude's just just like one of us, man. He's just a good, wholesome person, and and um, you know, just got to hanging around him a little bit, and I just got to really liking him, you know, a lot. And uh, you know, one thing led to another, and and we um, we had had uh, some opportunities to to kind of branch out and go out on our own a little bit with uh, with myself, and my family, and my father to own our own team and different things like that. And uh, you know, it's just such a big, huge investment to do that. And, and I was kind of like, man, you know, I, I, 
got a you know a great career here with Don Schumacher Racing. I've won three titles. I've run it up three or four times, and um, you know we've won I won more races than I got places to put trophies on my shelf. You know, and it's just very humbling, very very great. You know, place that I've been driving for with with DSR and. And I was, you know, it's kind of one of those things you're like, man, I, I don't want to leave that. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of tough, you know, but you have Tony over here with Leah and, uh, you know, they decide that they're going to get engaged. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where you go, man, they're, you know, she's probably going to branch out and do her own thing. Well, Mopar and Dodge wanted to kind of keep us together as well, you know, because she's been, she's been driving for Dodge as well uh, for, I guess, seven or eight years now, you know, so she kind of came in when we were, we were doing the Dodge and, and Mopar thing and, and they, they picked her up as well to, to drive on the top fuel side. Well, Mopar and Dodge, you know, SRT, they were big about keeping us together. They feel like, you know, um, she brings a lot to the table. I bring a lot to the table. And, and just kind of sitting down talking to Tommy a little bit, you know, he's like, well, let's let's go do this, you know, because Leo, they wanted to kind of, you know, branch out and do their own thing. And But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you're, you're sitting there, you know, going like, do I leave BSR? What do I do? I've had a year, 14 years here, three championships, you know all kinds of stuff and it's just like you know tony's like i'm putting this team together and let's go do it and i was like okay man like let's go do it you know so you know change is is always you know good i think you know what i mean i've, I've accomplished everything i've ever wanted to in the sport and it's just one of those things where um you got to go see if you can do it with someone else yeah you know how cool that is what you just said to be able to accomplish Everything you wanted to do in the sport. What do you think of that, that Jeff Kent? That's pretty impressive. It's a rare thing, especially at his age. He's, he's a young man. Yeah. So you, you guys, uh, through various conversations, uh, meeting up and Tony and Leah getting together now as as a couple or married now, but you, you Dodge wanted you together. That's really cool, you and Leah. So as the conversations led on there, how did it become, okay, we're going to do this? Or was it just let's go do it and well, we'll figure out how to make it happen? Well, it got tricky real fast because, you know, as, as we decided to do this and as Dodge decided to, to move forward with, with Tony, first thing that had to happen was they had to have the blessing from Ford because Tony's a Ford guy, you know. So Tony's like, hey, I got to go give, you know, Ford an opportunity to say, hey, look, if I want to step in here and be a part of uh, this with him and drag racing. And, uh, you know, so that took a little bit of time and Ford came back and basically was like, you know, we're, we're good. We give you your blessing to go, you know, out here and be a team owner with Dodge. And, and so he had to make sure that his bases were covered there. So that ate up quite a bit of time in the beginning of the process, just getting them to check off on it. And then um, after that, you know, it's kind of, it kind of got tricky because we were running out of time as far as, you know, parts and pieces, like, you know, in the pandemic and everything else, you can't just go out here and buy brand new stuff and it just show up at your door in two weeks. You know I mean? There's massive lead times and all this kind of stuff. So, it got pretty tricky with, with Don, you know, as far as, you know, Don kind of had everybody in a, in a fish barrel, you know what I mean? Kind of going, you know, oh, he's got all the parts and pieces and all the stuff to run these cars and you can't get new, new quick enough. So, you know, Tony and Don had to really do some milling and dealing to get Don to, to sell him, you know, pretty much a turnkey operation. And, you know, when Tony buying my, the turnkey operation with my crew and my guys, you know I mean? It's, it's been a proven combination for, for years now. You know, Don has built what we have right now today, you know, as far as around uh, our team and our guys and Dickie Venables. And, you know, and, and I sat down, too, and I said, look, you know, I was telling Tony, I said, if this is something we can't get everybody together and, and move forward, then I don't want to do it because I, I got such a successful relationship with my team and my guys and my crew. And, 
everybody else. And, uh, you know, I, I don't plan on starting over. I'll just go home and sell cars. You know what I mean? My dad, <laughs> it's kind of funny. He's got 42 companies and over 900 employees. And, and, uh, he built me an office last year. And I guess that meant he wanted my ass to come home and work, you know, but, uh, and I signed that multi-year deal, deal contract with Tony. So I guess the office is going to sit, sit it's a little bit, you know, empty for a little while, but it's, um, it's one of those things where Tony was like, no, man, we're going to, we're going to bring everybody. We're going to bring, you know, and they're going to make more money and everything's going to be great. And, and, you know, my guys are so happy. Like they're, they're making more money. They're actually got smiles on their face showing up for work. I'm, you know, and, and sometimes in the past I'd have guys that, you know, would, would want to quit and this and that. I mean, I gave up my bonus last year to keep my guys, you know, on board, you know, and, and nobody really knows that, but it's just something, you know, I'll tell you guys, but it's just, you know, I had multiple times where guys were like, man, I'm going to go drive over the road and, you know, I, I can't make enough money to survive here, you know? And, and, you know, I, I sat down and I donated my bonus to all my crew guys last year. We didn't win the championship, but it was one of those things that kept those guys there last year, you know? And, and for me, it was huge because trust is earned with with my life and uh you know so i wanted to make sure those those guys were you know taken care of as much as i could possibly you know and now tony's really taking care of them and brought everybody over and it's a great work environment and everybody's extremely happy and and we're just you know we're, we're uh, you walk into the into the shop and everybody's just like glad to be there you know yeah, you know, Matt, you know, that that's a huge compliment to you that you were able to bring everybody with you. I actually did a, a little bit of checking. You know how we all got our buddies. We, we dial the phone up and go, hey, what do you think about whatever? And I understand the cool part about your race team is all your team guys are, are kind of like your buddies, man. They all love you. They, they really like yeah. working with you and working for you, however you want to say that, working together to win races. And this year, I mean, you guys go out and like the third race out, you win, right? I mean, you run second or third the first two races, and then you win at Gainesville. That's that's a big deal. It was a real big deal for us. I mean, um, you know, we've got a really good combination, and I wouldn't change. You know, there's a, you know, I, I, I guess the the most respect I have for a team out here is is Robert Height, and you know him and uh, Jimmy Crock and those guys, and they kind of similar match our style with what we do as far as throw down with power and, you know, big numbers. And, and, you know, back in the day, me and Robert, it was just, we kept throwing down, you know, world record after world record, you know, he, he grabbed it, then I'd grab it and he grabbed it and I'd grab it. And, you know, just, it was pretty awesome as a driver to, to be able to be a part of that. But, um, but as far as respect goes, that team really is, is uh, one up there that, that we look at and we, we kind of always pay attention to. But I wouldn't trade Dickie Venables for anybody, you know, and, and you know, if you, you line them all up, and I'm not just saying it because he's my crew chief now, but it's just, you know, I've been, I was very blessed to be named driver of the decade. And it didn't come down to a popularity contest. It come down to, you know, basically number of wins, championships, round wins, you know, just all that kind of stuff. It's just stats, you know, over the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, for, for us, you know, you know, force back in the day with heyday when uh, you take all that out. But in the last 10 years, there's been, no been nobody uh, or team more successful than, than us. And, you know, it, it just says a lot about who Dickie Venerables is and, and you know, being able to, to be with him and, and to him have a race car underneath me that is just phenomenal all the time. I mean, it's it gives me chill bumps, you know, when I know the conditions are good and, you know, you go out there, you do a burnout, and the stands are full, and you know you're going to lay down a number if this thing sticks. And it, it, most of the time, it does stick, and it's just it's incredible to drive. And and um, you know, to have them to be able to come over, and Tony make sure that everybody is taken care of to come over to TSR uh, was huge for me, man. Because you know, when you've accomplished everything in the sport, that you know, from 
winning at all the tracks to, uh, you know, setting world records to winning championships to doing everything that you've set out to do. You know, there's no reason if it ain't good to, to keep doing it, you know, you move on to life. I mean, this will come to an end one day, you know, I'm, I don't ever plan on being John Forrest, but uh, the time that I'm here, uh, you know, we're going to make it as special as possible. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the years are limited, man. And uh, I mean, it's one of those things where between money and sponsorship and everything else, it and being 39 years old, it, it's challenging sometimes. So we uh, we take every lap and I take and make sure that uh, you, you just you just enjoy every run, man. Yeah, well, without a doubt. And, you know, Jeff, I was going to condense this and make this reverse this role but on the way we're going to format the show, but we're just going to keep talking in a few minutes. We're going to take a break because this is too good. I love it. And really quick, you know, I uh, you were talking about Jimmy Proc and Dickie Venables. I can uh, tell you what, Jimmy Proc is one of the best liquor drinkers I've ever run into at the PRI show. <laughs> and he talked very highly of, of Dickie Venables and uh, – Man, you guys race hard and you party hard all at the same time. But if we can come back and carry on this conversation, I love it because it's so exciting right now. We, we certainly can. We're talking to NHRA funny car driver Matt Hagan. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest, NHRA funny car driver Matt Hagen. When we last left you, we were talking about working hard and partying hard. Let's pick up right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I got a, you know, we're talking about Jimmy Proctor there drinking a little bit, but I got a funny story kind of started my entire career in NHRA. And, and uh, you know, I had a brand new sponsor and a brand new crew chief and, you know, um, it was Pomona, California, and, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect, you know, and, and uh, my crew chief, Tommy DeLago, at the time, I... Oh, my know, God, I, I, Tommy DeLago, he can drink some <laughs> liquor, too, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we, that's I, a prerequisite. Remind me to tell you about the party we had at our house a few years ago and Tommy showed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so you already know, it's it's, it's like, you know, I, I didn't realize what I was stepping into, you know, and, and Tommy, he was like, ah, oh, kid, you know, like, uh, let's get to know each other, and he's, you know, it was pouring rain, and the forecast was awful. It didn't look like we were going to race at all, and and so uh, Tommy was like, well, let's go back to your motorhome and, and drink, you know, and and so, uh, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, befriend these guys, you know, my crew chief and my sponsor and everybody else. And at the time, it was a break safe sponsor, third brake light. And and the guy, he was kind of a party or two. And so I go back to my motorhome and, you know, we start to drink in and, and, you know, it's getting late. And Tommy, you know, I look out and it's still raining. And Tommy's like, don't worry about it, kid. He's like, I've been racing out here forever. And he's like, we ain't racing tomorrow. And so I'm like, all right, listen to my crew chief. So we keep drinking. And next thing you know, and. I was like, man, this this is late, you know, and the bottle was getting pretty empty, and uh, you know, I was just like, I gotta go to bed, and my sponsor's already passed out on the couch, and, and Tommy <laughs> kind of sneaks him up and taking him out of there, you know, and and uh, I wake up, and man, alive, I swear, I was so sick, I was green, I, my, my bus driver made me some eggs, and I, I was like, I can't even eat these things, man, you know, and and I wake up, and and the, the sun is shining, and the birds are chirping, and I was, I got down on my knees, I was like, dear God, if you get me through this, you know what I mean? So that, <laughs> I swear I'll never do this. How many times? We've all been there, right? I swear yeah, I'll I never do it again. Track. I swear. Yeah, I got to the racetrack, and Tommy was like, no big deal. Like, where you been? I've been waiting on you to warm up. And I was just like, man, I, I'm I'm doing everything I can not to hug the porcelain here, you know? And it was just it was awful. And I, I just said, if this thing shakes the tires, I said, I'm going to throw up in my helmet. You know what I mean? So it just, we, we, got, we got qualified. But honest to goodness, I said, never again will I listen to my crew chief like that. 
Yeah, you got to understand those guys are proven. They they got talent. They got data to go behind. Well, they don't, they don't have to go 330 miles an hour in a race car the next day either. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he said, "That's not we're going to race. It's not going. We're not going to race, or it's going to rain." You know, and man, like I wish I'd uh, I would have looked at the weather a little better or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty tough. Well, that's cool. Well, look, we're we're kind of jumping around, so there's going to be no format here. You talked about Tommy Delago in one of your first. Races. How did you get started in racing, Matt? What what even prompted your uh, your desire <laughs> yeah. or interest in it? Well, you know, honestly, uh, I had a family friend take me to uh, a local drag race. He has actually owned the car right now. Uh, it was a '69 Dart, and it's a uh, it's got a you know a 570 all aluminum motor in it, and just uh, just a gear, it's a gear jammer. It's got a four speed Liberty in it, and, um, and this thing would stand up on its bumper every time it leaves. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, you know. So. I just was really impressed with that, and I was 13 years old at the time, and, and he let me air his tires up and ride his dial in and all that good stuff. But uh started off like that same year. Uh, I didn't have a race car. I couldn't drive, no license, but I had a four-wheeler, and they had Thursday night four-wheeler drags on uh, at the track, you know. And uh, and so I'd run down there on, on uh, Thursdays and, and drag race my four-wheeler, dial it in, bracket race it, all that stuff. And beginner's luck or what, I didn't didn't win, but I went to the final, and uh, – I won 130 bucks, you know, when I was 13. And I was like, you can make money doing this. So my dad owns a bunch of dealerships. And as soon as I turned, you know, 15, 16, I started stealing cars off the lot. And I'd bring them back with the trannies out of them and all this other stuff. And he was just going like, what is going on, you know? And so so basically he helped me get my first race car. It was an old, um, it was old I guess it was an old Pontiac. I can't even remember the year, but it had a 632 motor in it. And this thing looked like, you know, you cut your kid's swing set up and put it together, you know? And it just, it was pretty rough little car, but... Um, I started running these quick eight events and it's the quickest eight to show up at the track. And, and, you know, basically you get to race each other. It doesn't matter how fast your car was or whatever. You just had to get it down the racetrack and it's the quickest eight, get the race. And man, I started doing that and started winning a bunch of these races and, and ended up buying them, you know, a 63 split window and, you know, you know, 738 in it with four systems. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm running around in a, in a stacker and toter that I'm paying for at 18, 19 years old myself by winning these races. And it just kind of was pretty impressive to me. And, I uh, I was like, man, I can do this, you know. So I uh, was going to Radford University and kind of, you know, was one of those things where I was like, man, I'm going to make a whole lot more money racing than I am at college here. So kind of dropped off from the college thing a little bit and started racing more. And um, this guy by the name of Evan Knoll, um, and I don't tell a whole lot of people this, but he uh, we, we owned a racetrack and he um, he owned a Knoll Gas. And basically, uh, I you know, do some B2B business with him. And I said, well, we'll sell your gas at the – the racetrack he was helped sponsor my pro mod a little bit and so i run the ams series pro mod i was rookie of the year there and uh, doing well and evan calls me up and he says you know this pro mod stuff's great but i want you in a fuel funny car and i said well mr no i don't know if i want to go that fast you know it's like those things are pretty crazy you know and he's like well i'm gonna give you about three million bucks and you'll either do it or you won't and he said i've got plenty of people waiting in line but i need he needed uh you know um i guess cars for his no gas ihra series and uh and so anyway he uh you know we did that for a year and and then evan fell off the the i guess the face of the earth you know and i was like we couldn't get hold of him and couldn't get phone calls and end up uh he had some issues with the government where there was some embezzlement of money and and you know we we didn't realize it obviously Oops. but you know you, uh, them car you owners that, and you're going like yeah them car yeah. owners that always show up with a lot of money really quick <laughs> that don't really have yeah. a real business they last for about two years right and that's yeah the, <laughs> well it yeah. turns out that uh that evan i guess uh he, he he got to spend a little time behind some 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 bars there but uh but anyway uh 
but he got my start. So I guess I owe my my uh, my thank you to our tax dollars, to our, our taxpayers. You know, yeah, <laughs> know. whatever. You know, you, got, you uh, got to go on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, you didn't. I didn't. We didn't realize it at the time, but uh, it was just one of those things where Evan was handing out money left and right. You know, to to different folks, and I think you know everybody that ran Torco on the on those cars back in the day. You know, that was pretty much Evan backing it, and uh, it was just kind of crazy deal. You know, you're going like, how did we get into this? But it all started for us with the, um, the, the you know, the selling some race fuel at our racetrack. And, Sounds like you may and, have and, a future uh, in politics. <laughs> right. right. And, then, and then so I crossed over to NHRA because I was running the IHRA uh, Noel Gas Series for, for Evan. And I crossed over to NHRA and Indy. And we out qualified Selzy Force and Tommy Johnson Jr. that, that weekend and uh, to make the show. And, you know, so Don Schumacher strolled through my pit and he was kind of like, who are you? You know what I mean? Where'd you come from? You know, kind of thing. And, and so, uh, we got to chat and then he said, you know, me and Selzy, Selzy, I guess they, they Selzy had decided he was not going to drive for Don anymore. And he was going to go back and run his family's company and his kids were coming up and racing. And so, so at the time, uh, Schumacher is like, I, I need a wheel man. And he's like, what can you bring to the table? And what do you got? What are we doing? He's like, why don't you sell your junk and come drive my stuff. And, and I was like, well, that sounds like a pretty good idea since Evan wasn't going to be around anymore. And, you know, <laughs> one of those things where you gotta you start making some real quick decisions and so i flew into uh the richmond race and uh you know signed a, a multi-year contract with don then but then uh the economy i think that was 08 the economy the, the bottom of it fell out you know so at the time i was supposed to drive the, the mopar oakley car that selsey was driving and everybody pulled out sponsorship in 08 you know i mean basically the the world stopped you know and so we were trying to round everything up for 09 and, and uh, you know, kind of figure everything out. And that's where the brake safe guy came into play. And that was uh, another mess. It was the dude stopped payment on the, on the sponsorship, the second race in. So it's like, you know, one thing after another, after another to try to, you know, be out here drag racing. And honestly, Don Schumacher stepped up a bunch and threw a million bucks at it. And my family threw a million bucks at it and through the dealerships and stuff like that. And we got through the year and, we found uh, some more sponsorship and, you know, and basically uh, kept the ball rolling. But there were so many opportunities where, you know, it could have fell apart or I couldn't have been where I'm at today because, you know, sponsorship and just all the stuff that you had to go through to get there, you know. Yeah. So in regards to sponsorship, and I'd like to compliment your family, even though I don't know them. But tell me if I'm right or not, because I've just all the years of check. Is your family the Shelter Automotive Group? Is that the, the car business yeah, you guys have yeah. got? Yeah. Sheeler right. Motor Mile, yes, sir. Motor Mile, yeah. It, you guys still own the racetrack up there in Virginia or not? We do, yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I, I just, you know how those ties go. You don't really know the people, but you hear a lot about them. I used to run some Bush Series races up there, and we tested trucks and that at that racetrack, and it was like, man, that's the Motor Mile. I, I think that's Matt Hagen's family. Or, yeah. you know, and it's like, so, you know, how you're, you're BSing and drinking and people are putting dots together. Oh, yeah, they own this. They own that. It's crazy how, you know, the common denominator is BSing and drinking. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's th throw money in there and you're a racer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, that's really cool. So should, you, you basically, you you really had a fast track in, in the drag race world, didn't you? I mean, the way I'm understanding, you didn't run what I call some old beater car for a while. You you just hopped right in there with that uh, that government funded program. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really repeating your I'm repeating your words. Not not nothing. That's I've right. Heard. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. 
So when you went to Don Schumacher, Don Schumacher walks in your pit area. Did, what did you think at that time? I mean, that's that's early in life. Don Schumacher is a famous name, car owner, driver, big time businessman, and uh, I'm assuming drag racing has been like it's been for years, and how oval track racing is. Bring something to the table, and maybe you can come drive for me or work together. Yeah. But uh, what's it like to have somebody like Don Schumacher go, hey, kid, I, I think you're pretty good. Get rid of that junk you just out-qualified me in and come drive my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was pretty awesome. I mean, honestly, I was so new to the, the you know, NHRA drag racing world side of things. Uh, you know, I knew that Don was, you know, obviously had a, a, a massive operation. But I'd been so focused on the pro mod stuff and uh, running these little – you know, hole in the wall tracks and, you know, you'd, you'd show up and you'd win 10, 15 grand, you know, in cash, you know what I mean? And you try to get out of there before you got robbed on the way home, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, it was just one of those things where for me, you know, when I stepped over into the fuel world, it was kind of like, wow, you know, where am I at and who, who's who and what am I doing here? You know? And, and, uh, to have Don come over, it was really honestly, after my first year of driving a, a uh, fuel funny car. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of funny. My, I should have won the world championship my first year out in a fuel funny car in IHRA, but we won more races than anybody, but I was on fire more than anybody. So I lost the championship in all down points, but, uh, you know, so <laughs> I had a tuner. I was like, man, this guy's going to kill me, man. Like it was, we blew the, we blew the side of a block out and then knocked the steering off and the crank fell out of the bottom of it when he took a head off one time. And I was on fire, you know, more than, than I'd ever been in my life, my first year. So, I guess I got heat treated real quick, and it was just one of those things where it just it made you made you realize like how great it is to have a nice tuner that don't blow you up all the time. But it's uh, it was pretty pretty wild, you know. But uh, but you know to step over with Don and and you know go from uh, me working out of my my dad's back bay, you know, and and trying to put everything together myself and wrenching on it myself and doing all this stuff with with these tuners and stuff to just showing up and driving was pretty incredible. Help me understand the difference. And I, I got to tell you a little bit of a story, and you tell me if it's right or wrong. So there's a guy that lives in the Charlotte area. Here, his name is Bob Gilbertson. He used to own a company, or owns a company called Trick Tank. He used to have a funny car, and we yeah. we Tommy used to drop a tune for him. Yeah, I helped him out a little bit. And so uh, years back, I let him work out of my shop a little bit, and I said, I want to I want to drive one of these drag cars one time, one of these funny cars. Yeah, yeah, man, no problem. We just need to hook you up, and we'll go up to Mooresville and run the eighth mile, no big deal. And at the same time, I was sponsored by Lucas Oil, and I was talking to Charlotte Lucas about it. She goes, Mike, that's the dumbest thing you could ever do. <laughs> she says, you do not want to drive into the fire, she says. That was her. You don't want to drive into the fire. She says, if you're going to do anything, get in a fuel car, and you drive away from the fire. And I didn't understand what she meant until you are just yeah. talking about all the times you blew up, burn that up. That makes sense. Yeah. It really does. Right, the motor behind me. I've never heard that before. I'd tell you what. Yeah, it's it's intense sometimes. My first fire was my worst fire I've ever had. And, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, I realize why people jump out of a skyscraper that's on fire. You see that on TV, and you're going, like, that's that's awful. Like, they, they just jump to their death, you know, and. But the fire gets so hot and so intense, like, you just, you want out. Like, it's a frog in the frying pan, man. You're like, I want out. I don't care how fast I'm going, where this car is at, like, let me out. And, you know, and, and at my first fire, I, I panicked, man. I, I honestly, the, the thought went through my head, like, I'm going to die in this thing, and this is not going to be good, you know. And so I was, you know, taking in all this smoke and, you know, just panicking, and I couldn't get the car stopped, and I had it up against the wall, and the chutes had done burn off of it, and scrape, trying to scrape speed off of it. You can't see the reactors are on fire, and, 
and you're going like, this is going to get bad real fast, you know? So for me, like people can tell you about that, but until you go through it, you're going like, you know, I had to learn to like, I tried to jump out and I hadn't even unbuckled myself, you know? And so you're like, <laughs> you need to, you got to calm down, man. You yeah. got to, you got to get the car stopped and you got to hold your breath. You got to, you know, make sure you're, you're doing the things to get out of that race car. But what people don't realize is that, you know, we wear so many layers that, it's not that they burn through the suit. It's the heat that transfers through the suit. So anything that's sweaty or wet, it's like steam burns. So you get blisters on your legs and your hands and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, your natural instinct is to get away. You know what I mean? Like, get out of here, you know? So Leave it, that you know, after you go through that, you know, you're kind of like, all right, well, here we go, hold, you know? hold that thought right there because I am wore out by listening to you. <laughs> and we need to take I a break. I can't believe you strapped back into that damn race car. <laughs> yeah. Take us and bring us yeah. back, Jeff. All right. We're, we're talking with Matt Hagan, NHRA, funny car driver. Great stories. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. Great stories about catching on fire and stuff like that. It's uh, NHRA funny car driver Matt Hagen. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. <laughs> well, Matt, I'm sweating, burn up sitting here in the studio. I've got blisters on my fingers. Yeah, I mean, Jeff's got his hands up in the air like, air, air, please. But, uh, man, how, how do you keep climbing back inside? I mean, everybody has a blow-up or two throughout the year, right? But there's always that massive one. But what prompts you to just go, you know what? I'm tough. I can get in there. I just keep going back at it. I, uh, yeah, do you ever you have know, fear in them cars or not? Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a funny thing I say a lot of times to people. There's a fine line between bravery and stupidity, and you're not sure which side you're on some days, you know, but it's uh, it's kind of one of those things where that's just what you know how to do, you know what I mean? And no different than, like, Tony, you know what I mean? He's been upside down and on fire and in fences, and you just you just get back in, man, and that's just, you know, you're blessed to drive these cars, and you know that they're they're very safe and for the most part, and, you know, you get to you get to do what everybody dreams of doing, you know, so it's like – you know, you don't want to give that right up to nobody. You know what I mean? So it's hey, keep, hey, keep Matt, going back. Yeah. Having said that, it, there have been so many uh, safety uh, upgrades and whatnot in NASCAR. Surely, NHRA is the same way, right? So 100%. if if you're if you're and you said that the car is safe, so if say you catch on fire, is there some sort of a fire system in that car where boom, automatically you pull the yeah. fire extinguisher yeah, or? Absolutely. You know, I mean, they, uh, we have two bottles back there and it's, uh, you know, I mean, they pipe compressed breathing air into our helmet to help with the smoke and, uh, and be able to keep like a, a pressure deal in there as well. Um, you know, just in the head, head, neck stuff is, is very safe. We got pads around our head. I mean, we got those two big tires around us as well. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody talks like dragsters are safe, but man, I, I don't like heights. So, you know, those dragsters go up in the air 60, 70 feet, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances bouncing off the wall with a funny car, but it's, uh, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, for me, it was a natural transition because I've been driving a door car, like a pro mod door slammer for so long and used to being in a cage and around me and you know, all that kind of stuff. So the dragster stuff, I just, it never was really a fit for me because I'm, I'm a big guy, you know, especially in our sport, you know, I mean, I'm 250 pounds and, and uh, everybody looks at you like, what are you doing driving one of these things? And, you know, for me, you know, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. It's just what I do, you know, but it's just it's one of those things where I can get away with it because, you know, I sit over top of the rear end. And, and when uh, when I hit the pedal, that weight transfers onto that rear end and basically helps stick the tire a little bit more. And, and you know, we actually Dickie Venables and myself, we actually 60 foot 
better than anyone in our class, you know? So, and everybody scratches their head. They're going like, well, how in the world do you guys do it? When Robert's second, you know, as fast as 60 foot, then he's the second probably heaviest guy in the class. So it just, uh, weight is, is important. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, they obviously want me to be 150 pounds, but that's about what one of my legs weighs. So, um, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Well, Matt, I want you to stay, <clears throat> excuse me. I want you to stay exactly how you are because it makes me <laughs> feel good because I'm a big guy and everybody says, Oh, we need a little driver. I says, no, you guys do not understand. If I get right. in, I have more left side weight That's in the right. car than, than the skinny guy, you know, because they don't weigh. And here, so you're telling me in those funny cars, it's really good that you can plant all that weight right on the rear tires. I, I don't mean well, all that weight, but a few, you know, a few pounds heavier than a the little guy. extra. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a little extra. I get, I get to eat bacon in the morning, you know yeah. what I mean, Kyle? So, so but, uh, Jeff, I don't have you ever ran into Matt at the racetrack or anything? Have I've, I've not. I've only been to the drag races a couple of times. So, Matt, when you see him from a distance, I've heard people and and we we know each other just by talking, not not well or anything like that. But uh, they, they, I said, "Who's that guy?" He says, oh, "That's Matt Hagen. He's damn badass." And I says, "Man, he's pretty good size." Well, he's just and they go, "He's just a big old farmer." And I'm trying to figure out, does that mean you got a big farm or you're just a big guy with a farm? So <laughs> I think they're talking about just being corn fed, you know. Corn but, uh, fed, okay. Old country strong is what <laughs> yeah, they call it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, yeah. well, I'll take it. I guess he's definitely a driver with a team that I would not want to do any bad shit at the other end of the racetrack. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> hey, Matt, let, let, me, let me ask you this. And, you know, I said I've only been to the drag races, you know, a handful of times, half a dozen times, sure. something like that, since they built the, uh, you know, Bruton Smith built the track here. But it's my observation that when the funny cars take off, I mean, that looks pretty violent inside the car. Is it? It's incredible, man. There's nothing. So I've been able to drive drag boats, monster trucks, circle track cars, um, sprint dirt cars. You, I mean, it, I skydive, you know, like it, you name it. There's, there's no replacement for when two fuel cars leave the starting line. When you get to hit that fuel pedal, it's just instant, instant, you know, raw power. Um, some seismologists come out to the track and that's um, when two fuel cars leave, it's a 2.3 on the Richter scale. So put that in perspective of it's a small earthquake when two cars, you know, leave, leave the starting line. So it's, it's incredible. The shockwave um, that, you know, it's not so bad inside the car, but like when I'm lining up and, and the car is leaving in front of me, you know, um, you know, we're about ready to be the next pair. It's, it hits you hard, man. And it's just, you know, it's just, it, it vibrates everything in your body, you know? And it's, uh, it's just an intense feeling. We pull seven close to negative seven G's when the parachutes come out and, and close to like almost six G's when we're on the run and everybody thinks it's at the hit of the throttle, but we actually see the most G force in the center of the racetrack. When the, when the car's going one to one, when the clutch comes at it, it try, we make 8,000 pounds of downforce and it oh, tries crap. to pick the back out there. You know? <laughs> so my vision gets really blurry in the middle of the track, you know, when it's coming one to one, the club, my first time I ever drove one, it, uh, it, it sounds like on a, in a five disc anyway, we run a six disc now, but as far as the clutch goes, but when it goes one to one, it welds, it sounds like you broke a two by four and half inside of the car, you know? So it's, uh, it is extremely crazy, you know, kind of environment to be in. Plus, you know, the, you have the bell housing down there at your feet and a drive shaft is spinning 8,000 RPM in between your legs, you know? So you're going like, this is probably not the, the smartest shit I've ever done in my life. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> the there you are. 3, hey, you know? you know, we had, uh, we had Doug Herbert on the show, uh, one time several months ago, and I asked him the same question. I said, so what does it feel like 
And he said, okay, well, imagine your, your car is broken down. You're in the breakdown line, lane side of the interstate, and a truck go- comes along going full speed and hits you from behind. That's pretty much what it feels like. <laughs> Holy. Yeah, that's a pretty good perspective. Of what it would, yeah, you feel like you're going to get, you know, your your butt is going to get shoved through your mouth. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it's, it's intense. Hey, Matt, do me a favor, if you would. And you kind of said all this, but put it in a, in the proper timeline. We've had uh, we've had a lot of interest from our fans around the world about drag racing, even though we've started to talk a lot about oval racing. And so, let's just say you've done. You're sitting in the car. You do the burnout. They back up. Take me. I call it second by second, stage by stage. After they put the body down, after you backed up, t- tell me what what it what it feels like. What do you go through inside that seat? Yeah, you know, I mean. It all starts with me with the burnout, you know, I mean, uh, you know, people don't realize that, you know, everything that we have to do with these cars comes down to consistency and repetition and doing the same thing every time. So uh, even down to my burnout, how long that burnout is, how far I've, I've taken the stop, how long I got to be out of the clutch coming back, how hot that clutch is getting, um, you know, just just knowing how long you've been out of a pedal um, affects everything. You know? So um, it all starts with, with, you know, as soon as they start the car up, you know, and fuels coming out of it and different things like that, you know, and how long chief takes to, to adjust all the nozzles so uh you know everything we do is it, it affects everything else you know and i'm the biggest variable in that car but going up there and uh and after the burnout and, and coming back you know basically uh crew chief's got the you know got the body up and you know he's making sure all the, the um you know rpm's looking good and the cylinder temps are looking good the oil pressure's there i've actually been sent with no oil pressure and got blown up it had a broke shaft in it and you know, I'm like, there's three guys up here looking at oil pressure. Nobody caught it. You know what I mean? So, you know, just it, there's a lot of stuff going on up there. And, and uh, you know, for me, you know, pulling up is about, you know, making sure that, you know, first and foremost that my guys are safe. You know what I mean? They, this thing is so, so violent. And it's just basically a bomb you're driving. And, you know, they're up there with no gear on. And I got all kinds of gear on and helmets. And I've seen people get run over before and backed over. And you think so for me, my first and foremost priority is, is making sure my guys are safe and I'm pulling a handful of brake and my foot's back on the pedal. And uh, we got a tow loop in there and making sure that, you know, even setting the body down, these things can blip the throttle and run over somebody, you know. So um, just being very, very aware of what is going on, uh, who's doing what, you know, and making sure that you, you have the car under control as much as possible. But to pull up there, um, you know, you're, you're basically trying to, your breathing, your heart rate, everything else has to be, you know, kind of under control. I mean, it's, it's your adrenaline. I've not yet been able to not have adrenaline up there, you know, and all the, all the years I've done this and all the laps I've made, it's just like your heart's still pounding out of his chest and you're trying to kind of calm that down a little bit and get your breathing together and, and really kind of focus on pulling up there and, and looking at the light and, and making sure that, you know, I, I guess I do so well because you try not to think up there once you try to start to stage a car, like, you know, you're just, it's a reactive time. It's not a think time, right? Like you're just, you go up there, it's like putting on an old shoe. You know what I mean? It becomes repetition and, and, and hitting the light. And, and for me, you know, it's, it's, it's getting my mind focused on just that light. And I'm not really worried about what the car is going to do. Like my, it's a reaction. Once you the car, you hit the pedal and you start to drive the car, you're, you're driving it by the seat of your pants, you know, it's happening so fast. But what people don't realize is that your mind slows it down for you. It's like kind of being in a car wreck. You know, your 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 mind starts to slow mo. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm looking at that girl in the third third row with the big boobs. You know what I mean? Like it's never. Yes, you are. That, that's my job as a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Jeff's, a, Jeff's the guy standing up there next to the gal, pointing at, yeah. <laughs> with one of those yeah. crazy hats on yeah. with like four beers in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it definitely it slows down quite a bit for you, you know, and, and that's what, what runs and consistency and, and laps do, you know what I mean? No different than why Ron Caps or John Forrest, those guys that have been doing it forever, um, why they're so good, right? You know what I mean? Seat time is irreplaceable. And, and to be honest with you, anytime we make a run, if it doesn't hurt anything, like I'll just on a good run, it costs about $5,000 to make the run. That's in just in parts detergent, you know? So um, we don't get to practice a whole lot. So you take every run and you really make sure that you learn from it. I mean, as a driver, uh, there's not been a time that I've not taken the time at the end of the day and break down these runs and go over video and make sure that what I'm doing is what I'm, what I'm seeing and feeling and, and, and asking my guys, you know, if, if the car's looking like where it needs to be and different things like that. So there's just a lot, lot more to it than people even realize and think, but um, a lot of it comes down to just being consistent and doing the same thing every time. Hey, so, Matt, here's, this would be an interesting experience or experiment. Have you, uh, have you ever worn one of those heart monitors, you know, while you're driving? Uh, yeah, I actually have. And um, what yeah, happens? It, it's, it's up there. It, it looked like I was sprinting on a treadmill, you know? So uh, I don't know if that's good or bad or, or what, or maybe I'm just out of shape or what. No, <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> no, I haven't seen you in a while, but you're not out of shape, dude. I can tell you that. <laughs> but think about it. If, you're, if your normal heart rate is 75, 80 beats per minute, something like that, I'm on, what would it yeah, be? Yeah, we were like at what 125 it... or something like that, I think it was, when I wore a heart monitor. Which is really not that high. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. those cars are so – and I, I appreciate you going through it because the average fan uh, and an average driver, myself, I have no idea what it feels like to sit in one of those cars and launch or deaccelerate. As you were mentioning, you know, you pull the parachute out and the deacceleration G-force is, is crazy big. And uh, so – When everybody asks, they're going like, why, why can't you give an interview up there? You're huffing and puffing, you know, but like I have had – you know, six times my body weight, you know, you know, against you on a run, and then you go right into a negative G like that. And so it's like, there's a lot going on as far as your adrenaline's up and, you know, the positive and negative Gs you go through. And then they hop out of a car and they're like, give an interview. And you're just like, can I just catch my breath for a second? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so I want you to take over the interview King, you know, force has been pretty good at that for years. He rattles on a whole bunch of stuff, but I want you to tell that story. The next win, the next final round, when you got a, as we were talking, of why you're out of breath at the end of the run. A lot of people yeah. wondered that. Yeah. And, and it's kind of, it's like, my God, they only run four seconds. Yeah, it can't be that hard. Think you know? about, <laughs> stop and yeah. think about what happens to your body in those four seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. I mean, it, that, it, that's it, why it, I asked the question, because it looks, as a fan, it just looks so violent when they when they take off, you know? Yeah. What, Matt, since Jeff's been bringing that up, when those cars go into, I guess you refer to it as tire shake, what does that feel like? How do you know? I mean, I, you, you know, as the avid television watcher of drag racing, yeah. it's like, oh, see, he, he's good. He caught it. He watched the butterflies. And w what's that do when them tires start to shake on those cars? Yeah, it's. In, I mean, that's intense in itself. I mean, there's there's been times where, well, at first I didn't used to wear a mouthpiece, and then I chipped two molars um, from, from tire shake. And so I, I was like, well, my mouthpiece sounds pretty good to me, you know? So, yeah. Uh, 
they're just uh you know so they go back in there and grind your teeth down and you know here you go you know but uh it just uh you know it's just it's like putting your head in a pain shaker to be honest with you and the longer you stay in the pedal the, the worse it gets you know that's a great and analogy it's, it's like, yeah yeah so you learn your head quick, in a pain a shaker <laughs> when yeah. i go to lowe's for a house color <laughs> next time i'm gonna think about that again <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure you ever watch one mix up some pain that's kind of what it feels like yeah. in a funny car when it, yeah. it, it shakes the tires but yeah, cool. i mean you get a pretty good feel for it you know and and that's what you know the seat time you know being able to, to learn to pedal one of those cars and get it to recover and and to uh to be you know that, my first race i ever won was i got us in on a pedal job and i won the race every round on a pedal job and it was uh it really felt like i stuck a, cat, a feather in my cap you know but it's just one of those things where you know you just you, it's a feel thing and you just have to learn it as a driver and and it's uh you know sometimes i miss it and you know i'm, I'm get back on the pedal and i'm not squared up and the car's going the wrong way and you just you just have to learn you know what i mean it just takes time you know? and it's, it's a <laughs> yeah. lot of patience you know let's, let's take come a time back out here out. we'll come back and talk about what what's next for for tony stewart racing and matt hagan nhra funny car driver matt hagan is joining us you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network presented by crosley and nascar digital media <laughs> Welcome back to the Crosley Speed Sports Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today, we're going fast and just, well, we're just going straight. We're talking to NHRA funny car driver Matt Hagan. Hey, as I was doing my due diligence here, Mike, I noticed that Matt's birthday is November 18th. Do you know who else was born on November 18th? The only way can be somebody that we're what? talking about is exclusive. Is what has Jeff two Kent? thumbs and was born on November 18th? This guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah we, we share a birthday, I like Matt. I, I may be a tad older than you, but we share a birthday. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Good stuff, Je man. Jeff, I don't know what you think, but, I mean, in this last segment, Matt Hagan has filled in all the blanks of why I probably would not fill a resume out to, to run a funny car. <laughs> Fire, shake, head in a paint shaker, deacceleration. I'd like to hop in one, but I'd probably go maybe, I don't know, 150. What do you think? Uh, th that's on warming the tires up? <laughs> yeah. No, that's all the way down. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> so, Matt, you've uh, you accomplished so much in the sport, and we have so much more to talk about here. But I'm going to ask, you know, you went the fastest of anybody, the quickest of anybody, won three championships. I know the goal is to win four championships and so forth. Is there anything that y you need to get in that checkbox list uh because early in the show, you said you've done everything you've ever wanted to do or thought you could do. What, what's the next thing other than keep winning races does Matt, Matt Hagen want to do? Well, just making sure that you're keeping having fun with it, right? Like it, it gets to be so competitive and, you know, the sponsors and everything else. And sometimes you can you can lose sight of, like, how blessed you are to, to do this. And, uh, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, the flying around and, uh, you know, the days away from your family and your kids and stuff like that is challenging, you know. And so – um, you know, but to be blessed to do what we do, you got to just remember to keep it fun too. You know what I mean? And, and some of the, the most memorable years I've had is some of the years I've had the most fun doing it, you know, and, and uh, you know, so it's, it's easy to, uh, to get in here and just kind of like, you know, you know, no get in that work mode of like, we got to repeat, we got to win this and we got to do that. And these are my goals. And, you know, I got to achieve these small goals to get these bigger goals and, you know, all that kind of stuff to get you to where you've been and, and you know, so successful in the sport. But you got to also remember to have fun, right? So, so as you're doing all that, and we, we've talked about all these fun things you've done, how fast you won, all that. 
And we talked early in the show that it, it takes money to run these race cars, any type of race car. It doesn't matter if you're running a street stock or a, you know, a showroom stock car, whatever, anything. So tell us about your sponsor. I was really intrigued early in the show when you mentioned that as Tony Stewart decided to own a race team, that Dodge has a passion for you and for Lee to keep you together. T tell us about the Dodge people. Tell us everything about them. Yeah, you know, I mean, Dodge has been great for my career. I mean, I've been able to carry the banner with them for a long time. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gained a lot of fans just because of so many folks are, are Dodge enthusiasts, you know. And, uh, you know, we're running the Power Broker on the side of the car this year. And everybody's kind of like, what is Power Broker? Well, what's really cool is my family dealership is a Power Broker this year. Um, it's a new program that they've set out to basically 100 dealerships in the country if you got a hellcat uh you know scat pack uh demon whatever it is that you want to any type of dodge oem stuff that you want to uh you know basically soup your car up to run faster uh you can go to a power broker dealer and they'll put the, those 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 parts on that car uh you know and those different little direct connection you kind of like you get a like a, a box of here's all the things you need to run eight seconds you know what i mean they'll put that on the car and it stays under warranty i mean how how many guys out here and gals out here have these these awesome cars and they put all these aftermarket parts on them and it goes out there and hangs a rod off of it or you know the blower you know bangs or whatever it may be you know they do stuff on there and then they're responsible for it well when you do this with the power broker it stays under warranty so something happens you, they pay for it you know so it's a it's a really awesome program um it keeps your warranty on your car and you get to go fast you know so it's pretty cool you know what matt you, there are more of those out there than you think and a lot of them live in the north charlotte area right around 485 because <laughs> they come blowing by me and i swear to god they're going 150 or, or more there's a lot of them out there a lot of them yeah so I'm one of those guys that when I seen the power broker name camp come out, I didn't understand it. I didn't really know. So what it is is it <clears throat> Dodge has got a, basically an aftermarket program that you can yeah, well, come it's to OEM still. Yeah, it's still it's OEM. So like you know they have these with direct connection. They have all these parts and pieces where you can just pretty much pick a package of like, hey, I want to run nine seconds or I want to run eight seconds and you know a quarter or this or that. And they they have proven results that they've tested with these parts and pieces to do that with these these cars that you can buy off the, the showroom floor. And then you go to a power broker, which there's a hundred dealers out there this year uh, that will going to be able to, to to put these things on uh, these parts and pieces on the car, and then they'll stay under warranty, and you'll still be able to you know kind of go out there and you know, have your cake and eat it too, you know. So would Matt Hagen have sitting in the garage or showroom floor a really cool power broker prepared uh, Dodge right now? Yeah, actually, I got a Hellcat that, that we're going to start souping up a little bit. Dodge provided me with a, with a red eye this year. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I, you know, I farm. I got 3,400 acres here. I farm. And, you know, most of the time, if I can't get cow crap on it, I don't mess with it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> See, he is a farm boy. <laughs> Just 3,400 yeah. acres. No big deal. Yep. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to souping up this red eye and having some fun with it, and then you know being able to uh, keep it under warranty, you know. So when they take it back to me, and you know it's it's all there and under warranty, and and everything's good to go. So before I wasn't able really to mess with it because you know I couldn't uh, I couldn't keep the warranty on the car. Well, <laughs> well, Matt, I can assure you the state police does not listen to this show, so I'm curious <laughs> if if you if you want to get out there in that in that Hellcat uh and uh you know uh, do a little cooking uh do you take it to the racetrack or do you uh find a nice country road and haul ass well, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I try to do everything at the track that I can. You know, what I mean, it's obviously a good a environment set up, and you know, it's yeah, it, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of kids that uh, do a lot of street racing, and it's unfortunate that it just ends up the bad way a lot of times. And as a young young guy, young man, I. I did a lot of stupid stuff and got away with it in my in my lifetime so far. But as you get older, you're going like, why did I do that? And how am I still alive? You know what I mean? Like, it just, it makes you think, like, let's just take it down to the racetrack where we're supposed to, where someone's got a fire extinguisher, you know? Right on. So what I think is really cool about our show is that we uh, we want to know and let all the fans know, where where can they get Matt Hagen stuff? The swag, the the Direct Connect, the... The brand. Yeah, you know. where, where do you where do you, where can you buy some of that stuff at? Where can you go online and because next drag race I show up at, I, I want to have all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, well, everybody. I'll send you an address TSR for that. Right now, <laughs> yeah, we'll get you hooked up this year. But Double everybody up, from TSR has been kind of like drinking from a fire hose right now, trying to get the cars up and, and running and everything together. So I think I've got a couple t-shirts right now that we got going, but I just approved another like five or six shirts and a handful of hats and stuff to be out here. So uh, hopefully soon that'll be up on our website and. Uh, at TSR, and, and uh, you know, I know we've got a couple of shirts at the track and stuff people can pick up in the uh, Nitro malls, but uh, we're still, you know, scrambling to kind of get everything together right now. But our main focus has been, uh, you know, basically the race cars and the team and getting everybody squared away. Hey, I got one question. I got a lot of questions. I want to keep talking until we run out of time, but you've won 40 drag races or NHRA events that I know of or that, that tells you. Do, do you ever – do you ever get tired of receiving the same trophy? Uh, you it... know, the, the championship trophies, they mix up, which is really cool. Okay. Um, you know, the, the Wally, I, it's still very sentimental because it's, it's, you know, what Wally Parks came up with. And, you know, uh, it's got a lot of history to it. And um, the, uh, the, the, the Wally's, I mean, it's just, it's so special to, to receive one on Sunday. You know, you don't really care what it looks like. It's more about what you've done with your team and 10 guys and one common goal and turning four wind lights on. And, and, you know, what's crazy about our racing is that we push these parts and pieces to the extreme. And, you know, even though I can go out there and drive my ass off or my crew chief does a great job tuning, my guys put it together, right. You're still at the mercy of the parts and pieces. So, you know, even when you do it all right, you can get it all wrong. So it's uh, it's always a special day on Sunday, but um, speaking of Sunday after afterwards, we're going to test in Vegas and uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Tony's going to test the dragster and, and uh, I was, I was, texting the other day i was like man let's line these things up together you know and, and i was like i'll even take the bad lane he's like you're crazy man and i was like well he's like, that's why i like you you know and, and uh but I, i've been trying to get him in a funny car i was like man you'll throw you'll throw rocks at that dragster once you get in a funny car and he's i don't, I don't think he like he's like doesn't like the body coming down on him and different things like that but uh i think before it's all said and done we'll get him to make some runs in a funny car man that would be outstanding please let me know if that happens I'll, i'm gonna show up in a I'm going to see some video. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a cool <laughs> video they did. Tell me if I'm right, Matt. You and Leah lined up when you guys first announced the team or wherever you were testing or something. I yeah. it was. And you guys both made a pass together. That was that was a pretty awesome video. I mean, it was just you don't see a funny car and a dragster run together mm. ever. And, yeah, you know, hardly ever. They you know? both, yeah. both launched off there. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Like, uh, you know, she was getting ready, and I was I pulled in behind her, and I was like, "Hey, let's run these things," and and she was like, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, so yeah, we just lined them up and, and ran them. And Tony come back, and he was he was pumped about it. You know, so it was, it was really cool. You know, and uh, I'm excited to test with him on Monday, and I know Leah is excited to get out there and race, and we're gonna we're gonna have a good weekend coming up here at the Four Wides in Vegas. It's uh it's it's a crazy crazy deal with the Four Wides because you know you got to take it to the end no matter what on race day and. Uh, you can't ever see those other two cars leave the starting line. So whether you're on fire or not, it's got to go to the end. So 
we, we shall see how Vegas goes, but we've had pretty good luck there in Vegas. What, what do you mean by that? Because I've had it ask, people have asked me, I said, I don't know nothing about four wide except I watch it. I say there's so much stuff going on. What do you mean you got to run it to the end just because well, other two lanes yeah, might have broke or something too? Or? Yeah, I mean, as a driver, you don't you can't see those other two lanes. So it's super dangerous for us, you know what I mean? Like most of the time, you know, in a fuel funny car, I mean, I, I value my skin. You know, you learn to listen to the motor and, you know, you know when it's not happy and, and uh, you know when to click it off and and especially if you're getting beat you know so it's just kind of one of those things where at the four wide i have to make it go to the end no matter what like i have no idea where those cars left the starting line they smoked the tires or where they're at on the racetrack um you have to run it to the end so there's been times where it's on fire it's got oil coming out of it it's blowed up it's you know it's it's smoking the tires you're pedaling it you're doing whatever you can to get it down there to the end so that's what makes the four wide so crazy on top of trying to figure out how to stage four cars at one time. Yeah. Do you like four wide or, or not? <laughs> no, nah, man. I, yeah. I mean, I've won the four wides before, but yeah. it's just, you know, I've done everything there as well. It's from red light to, to, you know, drive it out of the groove to, to, to win it, you know, but it's just, it's just, uh, you know, everything we do is repetition and that takes the, the, the constant repetition of what we do the same all the time out of it. So you have to adapt as a, as a driver, but like I said, you, you also have to take it to the end, no matter what. So jumping off that, you guys are going to test at Vegas. Does does many things correlate from your funny car to the fuel car that, that Lee is um, driving? We run the is same there... motors basically, but you know nothing really correlates so much. You know, as far as those those cars are just so different. You know, as far as structurally and the weight, you know, composition and different things like that. Um, you know, but our engine program are are pretty much the same. It's just. You know, you could take my motor and put it in her car, and uh, it would be fine. It's just, you know, a matter of uh, the tuning and the weight distribution and how, the, how they run the clutch and different things like that. The clutch is the biggest thing on, on what we do. You know, it's different from a lot of other people. Well, that's incredible. Matt Hagan, you've had an incredible career and continue on. Uh, Jeff Kent, what do you think about all this hot rod stuff going on? So past? they do the four wides in Vegas, too? Because they, they, the yeah, four wides. Okay, so it, and then uh, you guys are coming to Charlotte at the end of the month, right? It's the last weekend in April. Yeah. Through like yeah, sure. or something like that. We'll be there. Okay, well, Jeff Kent and I, especially Jeff. Uh, oh, I want to, yeah, wanna I come out we want to come hang guys. out with you if that's all right. Let's all do right. it. Let's do it. My pitcher pit, man. Come on out. All right. Beautiful. Sounds good. Well, Matt, thank you very much. Thanks for all the uh, insight you provided us, all your continued success. What do you think that you're going to, you said Tony was going to test out there in Vegas. What, what's he just want to be in the car or is he in there trying to feel out what you guys are talking to him about? I, well, he's going to test Leah's car, and I think that's the deal they set up. So he's made 10 runs in a top fuel car so far, and uh, they've been 10 awesome runs. So, uh, um, you know, the, the kind of the deal is is that uh, he gets laps, you know, on test days when she's she's not driving and stuff like that. And um, he seems pretty pumped about it, you know. So I'm, I'm kind of like, let's go, man, you know. But uh, I, I really would love to see Tony in the car eventually. I think that, you know, the guy is, is a competitor. He's passionate about it, and he gets fired up, you know, driving a fuel car. So uh, oh, He's got to do it now. He's accepted the yeah, challenge. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's, right. that's pretty cool. I, I was thinking he just kind of did that because if they're laying around at home at night, he didn't want to hear her bitching about anything. <laughs> like, the car ain't doing that. It's like, look, I just tested the thing. It was fine. You know what I mean? Right. It was fine. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. All yeah. righty. Well, Matt, congratulations. Well, thank you guys for having me on the show. You bet. Congratulations on your career so far, and best of luck in the future. And may all of your fires be on a barbecue pit. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.